What is good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast, man. Back at it again today, Monday, November 29th. Man, I hope all you guys have a nice and productive start off to your week. And I just want to tell you guys that every day is a gift, man. Do not take this thing we call life for granted. Every single day as you wake up is a new opportunity to get better, to elevate, to keep going in the direction that you're going, and just trying to ultimately get everything that you have set out for yourself in this life. So do not take it for granted because it's a lot of craziness going on in the world right now, especially. So just focus on the things that you can control and let things that you can't control fall where they may and just keep going in the right direction and appreciate this thing we call life in each and every single day. Because I know a lot of people hate Mondays because they think it's the start to a new week and it's rinse and repeat and they're only looking forward to Fridays and the weekends and getting off. But trust me, do not take life for granted. Every single day is an opportunity to get better. Take advantage of that and just keep going. Do not let your foot up off the gas and just keep going in the right direction, man. But as always, we are still demanding justice for Breonna Taylor. We are still demanding justice for Elijah McClain. We are still demanding justice for Jacob Blake. And we're going to continue to demand justice for anybody out there that has been a victim of police brutality or even worse, police murderings, because it simply needs to and it must stop point blank period. But I want to get right into today's topic at hand because last week was Feast Week in college basketball. If you don't know what Feast Week is, it's pretty much where all the top non-conference slash preseason tournaments are played at. You know, a whole bunch of different programs travel across most of the United States, but sometimes outside of the country. Um, and let's just get it started with the ESPN Events Invitational that took place down in Orlando, where you had two top 10 ranked teams at the time get knocked off. The first game, the upset of the weekend in that event, or the week in that event, was Iona, led by Rick Pitino, the Gales. They upset then-ranked 10th Alabama, the Crimson Tide, led by Nate Oates and Javon Quinterly and Jaden Shackelford. This was kind of a crazy game. Um, I haven't been too impressed with Alabama to start off the season because I feel like they're just way too guard-dependent, and they don't really have a true big man. Like, they do, but he's very, very young and Charles Badiaco. But outside of that, they're really a guard-heavy team. And I always say that guards win in March, but you do need a, some type of rim presence too. You do need some type of player that you can give the ball into the post and get you a bucket. And you do need that guy that's able to guard the rim and keep you know the opposing teams from getting to the rim and the glass. So I was very concerned about that, but that is still a very good one for Iona. And the second game in that same event was actually in the semifinal where the Flyers of Dayton, led by Anthony Grant, who of course had that big time team with Obi Toppin a few years ago. It is, you know, time has passed since that team because of coronavirus. That was the coronavirus season where, you know, the NCAA tournament wasn't played. But this Dayton team is pretty good too. And they have had a very slow start to the season. They've lost a couple of very tough games that are not going to help their resume, you know, come March Madness time. But they got a huge win against then ranked fourth ranked Kansas at the very last second of the game. I was so glad that the legend Dickie V was able to call this game because of all the things that he's been going through for the past few months. But that shot was crazy. Dude was literally fading away to his left. The ball did a major bounce on the left side of the rim, and then it literally fell in as time expired. And that's a huge win for the Dayton Flyers. They, of course, advanced to the championship game where they played Belmont and ultimately won the ESPN Events Invitational down in Orlando, Florida. So that is a huge resume boosting week for Anthony Grant and the Dayton Flyers and I know they want to be in the NCAA tournament just like every D1 college team wants to be 
And that's a great way to help off their case, even though, again, they did struggle early in the season and they have some tough losses already on their resume. But let's move to New York, where the NIT season tip-off tournament was being held. Iowa State pretty much did a really good job under first-year head coach T.J. Osselberger, who, of course, comes over from UNLV. He is now the leader in Ames, and they went to the championship game, and they dismantled Penny Hardaway and the Memphis Tigers by a score of 78 to 59. That is a 19-point win for the Cyclones of Iowa State in the Big 12 over one of the most talented rosters in the country in the Memphis Tigers. And I'm going to be honest, even though I know Memphis is a work in progress because they have a lot of moving parts and pieces to this team that need to be fully adjusted, it's no reason for this team to lose by 19 points in a championship game on national television because, again, it's so much talent. And I know you have newcomers like Imani Bates and Jalen Duran and Josh Minow, and you have some transfers, but you still have some returning guys on this team that have played in big-time college basketball games between Landers Nolly, Malcolm Dandridge, Lester Quinones, DeAndre Williams. Like, this team does have a good plethora of returners. And so I know it's going to take some time, but again, it's no excuse for them to lose by 19 points in a championship game. And they do have a major issue, like we all expected, at the point guard position. Imani Bates is not the point guard to this team. He needs to be the premier scorer and bucket getter for this team, but he's not the point guard. And that is a huge issue that Penny Hardaway and his coaching staff are going to have to figure out as the season progresses. But right now, Memphis, they got a lot of work to do in the 901, but that is a great win for the Cyclones of Iowa State, and they're definitely probably the most underrated team in the Big 12 as of right now. But let's move over to the Bahamas, where one of the best preseason tournaments in the world is held every single year called the Battle for Atlantis. And fourth-ranked Baylor actually came out on top. They beat Arizona State in the first game. They then beat VCU in their second game, a tough Ram squad that, of course, lost Bones Highland this past year. They're pretty good defensively, but they don't have enough offense to cater to that defense. And then on the other side of the bracket, you have my Michigan State Spartans. You had Auburn and UConn. And that game was crazy. The first game, one of the first games of the day of that tournament was Auburn versus UConn. And that game was an instant classic. Went to double overtime. Katie Johnson and Jabari Smith had two really big games for Auburn. On the other hand, UConn was just doing whatever they wanted to do at will. Isaiah Whaley had some big time plays. Jordan Hawkins is a very special freshman that a lot of people are going to know about in the recent months at UConn. You know, Tyrese Martin had a pretty good game. RJ Cole came through when the team needed him. Andre Jackson, this UConn team is super deep. And that's honestly why they came out on top because they can literally play 10 to 11 duels deep. And that is a very good thing to have if you're a coach like Danny Hurley. You want to have as many bodies on the floor as possible, especially healthy. And right now, UConn has a deep squad. And so, of course, they won this game. Then they went on to play my Spartans. And that was a really interesting game because we actually came out playing really well in the first half, and UConn did respond in the first half too. And then the second half, it was kind of a, a blend of the same thing. But then, like, the last five minutes of the game, UConn took complete control. Tyrese Martin had a big-time block on Gabe Brown that resulted in a wide-open fast-break dunk. And it felt like just all momentum was swinging in favor of UConn. But somehow, someway, I actually do know how it happened. Coach Izzo, he subbed out Tyson Walker and replaced him with A.J. Hogard. And then he then subbed out Marcus Bingham and replaced him with Julius Marble. And those two connected on two of the biggest plays in this game. One, A.J. made a really good wraparound pass off the screen and roll with Marble. 
He missed it, but it was because Andre Jackson decided to goaltend it with still two points. And then the other one, Michigan State was actually down three with, I think, like a minute left in the game. And Sonogo, the big man for UConn, who's a really good player, too, that I didn't even mention. He's probably one of their better players. He's probably top two of their players. He was trailing in the play. AJ noticed that Julius Marble ran full speed in transition. AJ threw a, a bounce pass in the lane in traffic, and Julius Marble laid it up, got fouled. He missed the free throw, so we were still down one at the time. But that was probably the biggest play of the game, and it gave the momentum back to Michigan State, and that's ultimately why we came out on top in this game. So in the championship game, again, we played really, really well in the first half. We were going back and forth with, with a really talented Baylor team that returns a good crop of their national championship team. You got to think, they bring back Matthew Mayer, who was their X-Factor last year, and he's going to be their X-Factor this year. They bring back both their big man in Chachua and Flo Thamba. I know they lost Mark Vidal, but they still bring back Thamba and Chachua. They also bring back Adam Flagler, and they still have just a whole bunch of good players. And then you add in their two talented freshmen between Jeremy Shohan and Kendall Brown Jr. And then also, two, James Akinjo, you cannot forget, was, I think, the assist leader in the Pac-12 last year at Arizona. And he comes over, and he looks like he's fit, you know, he fits seamlessly into what Scott Drew is trying to do with that team. So, like, it is a lot of talent on this Baylor team. I'm not going to say they're going to repeat as national championships, as national champions, because that is a tough thing to do. But they do have the talent, the roster size, and just the right fit and chemistry of guys to get back to that destination. Again, I'm not saying it's going to happen because that's a very hard task just because of the, you know, the nature of the NCAA tournament when it comes to just being so unexpected and a whole bunch of upsets. But Baylor is a top five team in the country still to this day. They might not be as dominant as they were last year, but they're still just as, you know, talented at least. And they're going to be one of the top teams in the Big 12. It's going to be them, Kansas, and it might be another team. But right now it is just the Baylor Bears and the Kansas Jayhawks on top of the Big 12. But in this game, though, again, Michigan State battled their butts off in the first half, but Baylor was just a better team. In the second half, they turned it up a notch, and that's what the good teams do. They're able to take it to another level, and they just ran away with the game. And so that was a really good win for the Bears. And lastly, the game of the season so far took place Friday night in Las Vegas between the Duke Blue Devils and the Gonzaga Bulldogs, where Duke came out victorious. They won by a score of 84 to 81 behind Paulo Boncaro's 21 points and five rebounds and Wendell Moore's 26 and six. And I've been telling people, if Duke wants to be as good as people think they can be, it's going to fall solely on Wendell Moore being the Wendell Moore that a lot of people thought he was going to be coming out of high school in the state of North Carolina. So with him playing at that type of level, it makes Duke a significantly better team than what a lot of people thought they were because he's just that good of a player and he's kind of been playing out of position. You know, they've tried to play him at point guard. He's not really a point guard. He's more of like just a wing scorer and he can't facilitate when he's, you know, playing aggressive and getting downhill. But that's the key. You know, Paulo had a great performance. I know he was dealing with cramps, but in that first half, man, he had a stretch where he was just clearly displaying that he was the best player on this court. You know what I'm saying? And he just dominated. And Duke, you know, their perimeter defense is ridiculous not only their perimeter defense but their interior defense and that's the key for them because you have guys like mark williams theo john and paulo down there and that's not an easy thing to deal with if you're the opposing team's guards or post players so credit to duke that's a huge win i do believe they are currently ranked number one in the country and rightfully so so that's a big win 
for them. But I want to focus on my Michigan State Spartans now because we're five and two. It's early into the season. You know, we have two losses, five wins, like I just mentioned. But I've been very pleased with what I've been seeing from Coach Izzo's squad this year because it's a lot of talent. And a lot of people kind of, you know, denied us. They didn't think we were going to be a good team in the Big Ten. But you're looking around, you see Michigan's lost twice to Arizona, who they got demolished by. And they also have a couple other losses. And then you look at Ohio State, you know, they played pretty good. Um, I think they were in the Charleston's Classic, if I'm not mistaken. They lost to Florida on like a game-winning shot. I don't think it was a Charleston Classic, but they did lose in the championship game of a tournament where they lost to Florida. And then you look at Illinois, they lose to Cincinnati, who a lot of people didn't even know what Cincinnati was going to be this year because they have a first-year head coach in Wes Miller who comes over from UNC Greensboro. And now you're looking at Michigan State, and they look like a competitive team. And the reason that I was high on this team is because of the returners that come back to this team because – I know we lost Aaron Henry to the draft. We lost Rocket Watson to the transfer portal. He's now at Mississippi State. Same thing with Thomas Kithier. He's now at Valpo. And same thing with Foster Lawyer, who's now at Davidson. But you still return Gabe Brown, Marcus Bingham, Julius Marble, A.J. Hogard, Joey Hauser, and a couple other guys. You know what I'm saying? I think having returners is key because you have guys that have been in the system that know what Coach Izzo wants to do, and they just are locked in. And so now – the biggest thing is trying to get the moving parts, the new parts, to get in and find their role into this offense, which is Tyson Walker and Max Christie and Jaden Akins. And that's what I want to talk about first is Jaden Akins, man. To me, he was our best player in that game against Baylor. Like, the freshman, man, I did a podcast when we first got his commitment to Michigan State, and I knew that this dude has star written all over him, not just because of what he can do athletically, but the skill that complements the athleticism to his game. He has some big-time plays in this game against Baylor. He had a put-back slam with two hands. He had a steal off a lazy Kendall Brown pass that ended up being a spin move in transition for easy layup. And then the play that impressed me the most was actually a play where Joey Hauser gave it to him in the corner. He did like a pump fake. He dribbled once to his right, faded away, one dribble pull up, and hit nothing but net. You know what I'm saying? Like He just has a pro-style type of game. And I've been saying, I even said on my Twitter that Coach Izzo needs to play him more because that dude is going to help us win a lot of games. And the craziest thing about it, and it's the same thing with Max Christie because both of them haven't necessarily found their footing in the college game when it comes to getting buckets, but both of them do a really good job of doing everything else. They both rebound at a fairly high level. They both are good on defense. I think Max Christie is better on defense than I thought he would be. And Jaden Akins, same thing. And they just know how to playmake and get other guys involved. And once they start to get comfortable in the offense and take the right you know, shots and get to their spots, it's only up for both Max Christie and Jaden Akins. And same thing with Pierre Brooks. He had a couple of good moments, I think, in that game versus UConn where he played and hit like a floater and a three in the corner. Like this freshman class is really, really good. And Jaden Akins and Max Christie have both proven so far early in the season that they're rotational players. And when it comes to Max, even though his jumper isn't falling right now, I promise you his time will come. He's going to get a game where he catches on fire this season and he's not going to look back. And I'm not saying he's going to go out every single game and drop 20 and things like that, but he will start to average like 14 and just get on track because this dude is a bona fide bucket getter. You're going to have to live with some of his mistakes like Coach Izzo has so far. But trust me, once he gets things going on the right track, it is only up from here for Max Christie, man. So I love what I've been seeing. The only concerns that I'll have, the one is turnovers because when you play at the speed that Michigan State wants to play, you're just going to have turnovers. But 
The other thing is just the turnovers can't be off dumb things. Like, you can't step out of bounds if you're waiting for a shot in the corner three. You know what I'm saying? You can't go into traffic and just get jammed up and then end up getting called for a charge. Like, you have to be very smart with the way that you're playing. I just think we need to learn to value the possession more. We need to learn to just play on a string, you know, get connected. All five guys on the court should all be thinking the same thing at the same time. That's that's what great teams do. And so I think we'll be fine. You know, we had a lot of turnovers against Loyola Chicago. They forced us into a ton of tough, you know, situations. So give them a little bit of credit. You know, Drew Valentine is going to do a great job with that program. But we should be better with that. The second thing is Joey Hauser. Joey Hauser is a concern because ever since he made the move from Marquette to Michigan State from the Big East to the Big Ten, he just has not looked like that same guy that he was as a freshman. And I'm not even asking him to get back to that level because he was an all-freshman in the Big East that year. But if he can just give me two threes a game and just play solid defense and rebound at a pretty good level, that's all I'll ask for Joey Hauser. I just want him to be serviceable at this point. I don't need you to be amazing. I don't need you to be above average. Just be serviceable. Just be a good outlet for this team. And I think Coach Izzo did the right thing by taking him out the starting lineup and inserting Malik Hall because right now, currently, Malik Hall is the better player. But we need Joey to hit shots, bro. He's one of our best shooters. I think the biggest issue with him right now is that he's just doing too much thinking and not enough hooping. Sometimes you can't get in your own head because your own head can be your own worst enemy. So when you're on the court, you just have to think freely. Just play the game, let the game come to you, and the game will reward you. If you play it the right way, the game will reward you. That's anything in life. But Joey Hauser needs to be better. We need him to be better because I know, you know, Max Christie's going to be fine. Gabe Brown has been one of the biggest revelations of this team so far. And same thing with Marcus Bingham. Those seniors, man, Gabe, sometimes he concerns me because he does rely on a whole bunch of tough shots. Like he loves that one dribble pull up. He loves the catch and shoot three. He loves the three in transition, which I don't mind those shots. And clearly coach Izzo does not mind those shots at all. But sometimes I know he can get a better shot than the one that he settles for. But he has been hitting them at a pretty good clip, and that's why I'm not mad at him. If he can continue that, this team is only going to get better and better. And Marcus Bingham has finally turned into the guy that all Michigan State fans have thought he could finally be for all these years. Because a lot of people always talk about potential, potential, potential. But eventually that potential has a turn to production. And this year so far, Marcus Bingham has done a great job of holding down the interior, altering shots playing active defense, and just being a reliable option in the post on offense as well. Like, I love everything that I'm seeing from Marcus Bingham. Hopefully, as the season goes on, he's able to play more and more minutes because sometimes he does look fatigued. But I think he's just going to have to get used to that. Luckily, we have a safety blanket coming off the bench in Julius Marble, who's actually been playing pretty well too. So I'm not really mad if Marcus Bingham gets subbed out the game, but he is a better rim presence than Julius Marble just because he's a legit 6'11", 7 feet, and Julius Marble's probably like 6'8" maybe 6-9 on a good day. But nonetheless, I like what I'm seeing from my centers and my seniors. My seniors are playing really good for this team, and I think we'll be fine. Like, I truly believe we're one of the best teams in the Big Ten, and I just think you got to give us some time to let the offense come around because with Gabe Brown shooting as well as he's been shooting so far, that's going to help unlock Max Christie to get easier looks in one-on-one situations because you have to respect Gabe Brown's shot, just like you're going to have to respect you know, Tyson Walker shot. And and that's the thing too, like when it comes to the point guard play, I'm a little concerned a tad bit, not even too much because I liked what I saw from Tyson Walker and AJ Hogarth for the most part. AJ had his moments 
you know, sometimes he tries to dribble between, you know, tight spaces and ends up getting a turnover. And Tyson Walker, I just think as a point guard, coming from a situation where you had to be the go-to scorer and now you're in a situation where the team needs you to be a facilitator and a scorer like most Michigan State guards have been historically, he needs to start searching for a shot just a little bit more because he's not playing as aggressive as probably most Michigan State fans thought he was going to be. But I think that's going to come with time because as a point guard, you want to get your teammates involved. You want Max Christie to get his shots. You want Gabe Brown to get his shots. You want Marcus Bingham to get his looks. You want Joey Hauser to shoot the ball. You want Malik Hall to shoot the ball. It's so many different guys on this team that can shoot the ball at a pretty good rate. And if you're Tyson Walker, once you start to score, that opens up everything else for everybody. I noticed a couple different plays with him and AJ where they will come off a screen and roll. And instead of trying to get two feet into the paint, they will pick up the ball early. And what that does, it allows the defense to reset and get set again. And it pretty much just kills all traction and momentum of that possession. And then the time winds down the shot clock and all of a sudden you have to force up a bad shot and a tough shot and automatically the other team gets the ball because they did a great job of defending. So like, I would like to see them get into the paint and try and either shoot the floater off the pick and roll, you know, take a one dribble pull up, you know, throw the loud to Marcus Bingham and draw his marble, or worst comes to worst, you're probably going to have the weak side pass for the corner three. So like, it's going to be different options, but I just want to see them stay aggressive, especially AJ Hogarth because AJ's not a shooter. We all know his jump shot needs to improve, and I think it will. You just got to give him a little bit more time. You know, he's only a sophomore, but he has the floater. And same thing with Tyson Walker. Like, you have that floater. You have the one-drill pull-up. We've seen it. We want you to take that shot. Coach Izzo wants you to be aggressive, and I just think he's too worried about getting his teammates involved instead of looking for his, which if this team wants to be the best version that this team could possibly be, we're going to need Tyson Walker to step up and be aggressive. But other than that, man, I'm very excited for this team. Like, I cannot wait for Big Ten play to start. I cannot wait for this team to leave their mark. Like, right now, they're a top three team in the Big Ten. And I think it's still so many different things that they can improve upon that it really is no limit for this team. I'm not going to say, you know, we can win a national championship, but if everything falls into place and if all the dudes I just mentioned improve just a slightly bit from Max Christie, Jaden Akins, and Tyson Walker and, and AJ Hogarth and even Joey Hauser, then this team is good enough to make it to um, New Orleans in March slash April. So again, I like what I'm seeing from Michigan State. We're 5-2. and two. We play Louisville this Wednesday in the ACC Big Ten Challenge. We should definitely get that win at home. But, man, it should be a really fun season. This team has the makings to be a really good team led by Coach Izzo and his staff, man. But as always, this has been another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops podcast. Shout out to Nuts and Bolts Sports. I'm a college basketball writer slash blogger slash journalist. Featured alongside a whole bunch of other really talented writers slash bloggers slash journalists. I'm also featured on Nuts and Bolts Sports Podcast Network alongside a whole bunch of other really talented content creators and podcast hosts. So please go check us out on our long list of sports podcasts. And as always, again, this has been another episode of the Kevo Bands Hoops Podcast. Please like, comment, subscribe, rate, review, and share. And if you listen to my podcast on Apple Podcasts, please leave a rate and review. That is how we share, grow, and expand the pod. I will talk to you guys soon. As always, peace and love gone.